Is the problem really with rates? Or is it with self-confidence? You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Your number one marketing tool is your voiceover demos. When you're posting them online, you want to be sure they're playable on any device and with any browser. The VoiceAmp player does exactly that. Sign up at msvo.me slash msvoicesam and receive three months of VoiceAmp for the price of one. Sign up now at msvo.me slash msvoicesam. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. The objective is very simple. Voice acting in 2020 and beyond is just as much about running a business as it is about being a voice actor. And so the purpose of this podcast is to help you get better at running a business, to teach you how to become a VOpreneur. Before we dive into this week's episode, just a couple things I want to remind you of. First and foremost, don't forget to check out the website at VOpreneur.com. And while you're there, click on the shop button. You can order yourself a VOpreneur tee, a VOpreneur hoodie. Proudly represent yourself as a VOpreneur while simultaneously helping to support the podcast. VOpreneur.com, click on the shop button. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one of these episodes ever again. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere where fine podcasts are given away for free, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. So this week, we're going to be talking about rates, but I want to come at it from a little bit different perspective because it is something that I've talked about on the podcast before, and no doubt it's something that I'm going to talk about on the podcast again, because it is often one of the most heavily debated and discussed topics regarding voiceover. So let's start with a little bit of a parable, shall we? A guy walks into a Mercedes dealership, and while he's there, he's going to check out the new S-Class sedan. Now, the vehicle that he admires is very nicely equipped. It's got driver assist. It's got heated seats and steering wheel. There's an upgraded sound system. It's not fully loaded, but it's definitely got a few bells and whistles in it. The sales rep approaches. They chat a little bit about the car, about some of the different features that it has to offer. The sticker price on this particular Mercedes S-Class is $105,000. Now, the gentleman is absolutely interested in the vehicle. He loves it, fell in love with it immediately. He knows it's the car that he wants, and He'd actually like to sign a contract right now and drive it home today. So he takes the sales rep aside and says, look, I want to make an offer on this car. Here's $40,000. Let's get this done. Let's just do it today. Let's get it over with. Now, the sales rep is a bit taken back. This is, after all, a $105,000 vehicle. But the gentleman is making an offer, and I suppose that selling the car and making some money is better than not selling the car and making no money, right? I mean, it's not doing any good sitting on the showroom floor. Now, the rep is obviously not authorized to make this kind of a discount, so he goes to his boss. While he's standing there with his boss, he explains that the gentleman would like to take the car today and that some money is better than no money. The sales rep makes a solid case for why this deal should be accepted, and then he's fired on the spot. Because if an S-Class was worth $40,000... They'd sell it for $40,000, not $105,000. 
And just because the gentleman's budget was $40,000 doesn't make the car any less valuable. Now, when you think about it from this perspective, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, would it ever occur to you to walk into a car dealership and offer a half or a third of what a vehicle is worth and actually expect to drive home with it? Of course, it would never occur to you to do that. You'd never even try to do that. Nor would you walk into a Skechers store and try that with new shoes or walk into a Best Buy and try it with a new TV or walk into the grocery store with a cart full of fruits and veggies and fresh meat and try to walk away for a half or a third of the actual value of the produce that you've bought. The idea of it is utterly ridiculous. Now, if the item's on sale, that's one thing. But blatantly offering a third less or half less or two-thirds less and expecting to walk away no questions asked? Yeah. No. Let's flip the script. We have two hours of e-learning narration we need done. The voice actor will be expected to provide fully edited audio with, with files split and named according to specs. The budget for this project is $1,000. And then begins the Facebook post in every voiceover Facebook group. Guys, there's this audition opportunity, and according to GVAA, I should be asking $5,000 for this project, but the client's budget is $1,000. Now, if I quote what the GVAA says, I'm afraid I'm going to lose the job, so what should I do? Have you seen that post? Have you posted that post? Maybe it wasn't about e-learning. Maybe it was about a commercial. Maybe there was a commercial opportunity that you knew the budget was wrong on. Maybe it was a corporate video or an explainer video that you knew the budget was wrong on, but you still went and asked, what should I do? Well, let me ask you something. If it is utterly ridiculous to walk into the Mercedes dealership and expect to successfully pay $40,000 for a $105,000 vehicle, and it's something that we would never attempt to do, why is this audition question even a question? It's the exact same thing. If you've consulted a rates guide, and you can clearly see the budget the client is offering, it isn't even in the same stratosphere, then really what is there to be discussed? So the question then becomes, are you genuinely asking what to do? Or are you genuinely hoping for approval from your peers to take the $1,000 because, hey, it's $1,000, right? $1,000 is $1,000 and $1,000 is better than no dollars even if it's drastically undercutting fair market value, not to mention your own personal value as a voice actor. So this gives us two different scenarios. One of the biggest challenges for a VOpreneur is to change their mindset from an employee mindset to an employer mindset. And this is something that I've talked about before because I think it's really important. In an employee mindset, which, by the way, we've been groomed to have since our first day at school, we work for what the company offers. We don't have much say in the salary. Sure, we can ask for and hope for an occasional raise, but for the most part, the company, the boss, sets your salary and you either accept it or you don't. When I walked into every radio job that I ever interviewed for, they told me what my salary was going to be. It really wasn't negotiable. Maybe $1,000 here or there, but for the most part, it was not negotiable. Now, as a voice actor, it's your responsibility to start thinking like, an employer. You are the boss of your company and you decide what your company needs to earn and by extension charge for the service your company offers. Put a different way, you set the salary. 
Now, just because a potential client throws a number out, it doesn't mean that you need to accept it. You're not the employee anymore. And this is a major mindset shift that needs to take place. There are a number of different rate guides that are available. All of them are valuable resources. GVAA is an industry standard guide. Gravy for the Brain offers rate guides for several different countries. There's a few different options that you can choose from as far as rate guides. We have the tools that we need to establish fair market value. And I would be willing to venture that 99% of the time it has nothing to do with whether or not we have the information. It has to do with a lack of self-confidence. We don't feel like we're worth those kinds of rates, maybe because we've never charged them before. And then there is obviously the fear and desperation. That's why the question is always followed by, in every post, I'm afraid if I quote according to GBAA or whatever, I'm going to lose the job. That right there tells you everything you need to know about this issue. It's not a question of whether or not we know what fair rates are. It's a question of whether or not we think we're worth fair rates and whether or not we're operating from a place of desperation and whether or not we are willing to lose the job to stand by our value. That's all confidence-based. The whole situation then becomes confidence-based. Now, the other side of this equation is determining an operating budget for your company. So what you need to understand is that the rate for a project isn't just some random number that you come up with. Your rates need to be enough to keep your company in the black and thriving. Thinking like an employer, not an employee. When you are an employee, the only thing you have to do is show up, work, and collect your paycheck. When you are the employer, you got to pay the bills. You got to pay your rent or your mortgage, your heat, and all of your other utilities. You got to pay for your studio and your equipment. How much did it cost to get you set up? You've got to pay for Source Connect that goes along with that, Internet Connection that goes along with that, IPDTL that goes along with that. You got to pay for food. I'm assuming you like to eat. You got to pay for your car. You got to pay for insurance, sometimes multiple kinds of insurance, car insurance, home insurance, tenant insurance, health insurance, whatever. You got to pay for a website, your domain, your hosting. You got to pay for coaching so that you're keeping your training up. You got to pay for demos because they've got to be refreshed every few years. You got to pay for the office supplies, the paper and the ink cartridges and the pens and all of that stuff. You got to have a computer so you can do your editing, which, by the way, you got to pay for the software that you can do your editing on. You got to pay for an accountant to help you keep all of the expenses straight, track your income and make sure that you're paying the right taxes. Speaking of which, you've got to pay taxes. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And all of these things are factors that go into determining voiceover rates. It really isn't just pulling a number out of your butt. Now that you're the boss, now that you're running the company, you need to make sure beyond what the GVAA says that you're charging enough to keep your business operational. And that means you got to have a budget and you got to know your numbers. And from there, you can set your minimums. So for me, I know what my absolute bottom line is for explainers. I know that I will not do an explainer video for less than a particular number. And I have that same number in place for corporate narrations, for e-learning, for commercials. I don't advertise that number. It's a number that I keep in my head. I know what the bottom line is. I will not go into the studio and turn on the microphone for less than X. Because any lower than that, and I'm undervaluing my service, I'm undercutting industry rates, 
and I'm putting the long-term sustainability of my company at risk. And as an extension of putting the long-term sustainability of my company at risk, I am putting the financial future of my family at risk. And that is why you need to know your numbers. What I see daily is voice actors approaching quotes and rates from a position of desperation. If I don't accept the number that's being offered, I risk losing the job. That is desperation. That's also thinking like an employee and not an employer. You're letting the boss set your salary, but you're the boss now. One of the things that I've learned in my decade plus in this business is that there is always another client. And I know that it may not feel like it sometimes. I know sometimes that can seem like clients are few and far between. I know there are times when you're looking at your bank account and you're thinking, I got to get work. I got to get a job. I got to take X because I got to pay the mortgage. One way or another in my business, even on the times when I have said no, there's always been another opportunity to come. Let's go back to the Mercedes dealership. The Mercedes dealer doesn't sell the car for $40,000 because they know the person who will pay $105,000 is out there. They just need to find them and get them in the store. Marketing. You need to find the people and get them in your store, so to speak. You need to do the marketing. You need to get your website up. You need to be present on social media. You need to be finding new leads. You need to be constantly reaching out every day putting new people in your pipeline. And when you connect with enough people, you are going to find the ones that are going to pay for the $105,000 sticker price of the Mercedes. You're going to find the ones that are going to pay you fair market value. Now, I know that another common argument is, and some of you are thinking this right now, guaranteed, well, someone is going to work for that rate, so why shouldn't it be me getting the money? Okay, okay, that's a take for sure. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is the client that values your service at a third or a half or two-thirds less of your true value, is that really the client that you want to enter into business with? Is that really the client that you want to build a business with? Here's another one. What happens when you're busy working on that $1,000 e-learning job that was two-thirds less than what it should have been, and now? While you're busy in that job, you miss out on an opportunity to do a $5,000 e-learning job because you had to turn it down because you've got a deadline to meet on the other one. I want you to take what I'm about to say and I want you to write it down, put it on a post-it note. I'd love for you to stick it on your computer or put it on the door to your office or hang it on the wall in front of you in the booth or put it up in a couple of places in your house so that you're, you're constantly reminded of this statement. Every minute you spend on projects that are less than your worth is a minute you're not spending finding the clients who will pay what you are worth. Let me repeat that. Every minute you spend on projects that are less than your worth is a minute you're not spending finding the clients who will pay what you are worth. To run a successful voiceover business, you have to know your numbers and you have to quote based on your numbers, not necessarily the numbers being put on the table. Running to Facebook groups every time you have a rates question, especially rates questions that you can answer with the rate guide by yourself, I think it's only going to cause more confusion for you because every VO that you ask has their own set of numbers and they may or may not be the same 
as yours. And not to mention, every time you ask it in a Facebook group, there is a broad range of talent who are responding to that question. From the people who haven't even booked their first job yet and would literally work for anything, to the people who have been doing this for 25 years and know what's up. And you are going to get answers across that entire spectrum, which is only going to cause more confusion for you. That's why when you do these posts, you'll see a hundred responses on them and half or more of them are conflicting. If you have a rates question you need to ask, I think that you are far better served to ask one or two VOs that you trust and respect and have them talk it through with you and do that as opposed to collecting opinions from the masses that'll likely leave you with more questions than answers. I have these people. I still have people that I consider to be mentors in my business. And every once in a while, a job comes up that I'm not sure what to do with, or I'm not 100% sure how to quote. And I will go to those people privately and I will run it by them to get their feedback and their input. I'm not throwing it up on Facebook groups because I do know that it's only going to leave me more confused than when I started. There's something I want to say about the GVAA rate guide as well. I love the rate guide. I use the rate guide. I have it bookmarked. I refer people to the rate guide every single day. But it is a rate guide for the United States. It is not the be-all, end-all rates for the world. Not even for North America. A lot of the rates that are on the GVAA rate guide, you're not even going to come close to in a market like Canada. We don't have the population. We don't have the same kind of scale in business to be able to support those kind of rates. And those are even coming from legitimate agents. It's just a different country. It's a different economy. And so if you're looking at the GVAA rate guide and you're using it to quote every job in every country in all of the world, you're going to struggle. And I only say that because I want you to take it into consideration. Compare it back and forth. Use gravy for the brain. The U.S., the Canada, the United Kingdom, the Columbia, the Mexico guide. Use them as a reference. And I will put links in the show notes to both GVAA and Gravy for the Brain because they are both invaluable resources. You should have them bookmarked. You're going to need to refer to them a lot. But you need to understand that rates vary from country to country. And just because one country offers a lower rate doesn't mean they're screwing you. It's just a different market. It's a different population. It's a different scale. It's a different economy. And this comes back to knowing what your minimums are. When you know your minimums, then everything else becomes irrelevant. It doesn't matter what number the client's throwing out. If it doesn't match your minimum, then you're not even going to look at it. And that doesn't mean, by the way, I want to be clear about this, it doesn't mean that you're always working for your minimum, but it means that you know your bottom line in negotiation. I always start at my regular rate. But in a negotiation, I know what my walkaway point is. And I know that if the number dips below my walkaway point, I'm walking away. As I see it, the biggest issue around rates has nothing to do with the actual rates. And it has a lot more to do with the confidence of the talent. When you have done your training, when you have invested in your demos and your coaching, when you know that you are offering a professional service, you don't have to worry about settling for lowball rates because you're good enough. And hopefully at this point, confident enough to stand by your value. Mercedes doesn't have to discount their cars by 60% because they know they make a premium vehicle. If you've done the right things in your business, you offer a premium service. 
If you feel like you need to settle, that is a symptom of a greater problem, and that is something that you're going to need to address. I want to wrap up this episode by giving you five things that I think are essential to setting rates for your voiceover business. First and foremost, remembering that you are the boss. You set the salary. The salary doesn't get set for you. Just because somebody puts up a job on a casting site and there's a budget attached to it, it doesn't mean that you can't quote a different number if it doesn't match up with your rates. And if they don't accept it, well, guess what? They already weren't hiring you anyway, so you really didn't lose anything. So that's number one. Number two, your rates need to take into account your budget and expenses for your company. You need to make enough money to keep your company in the black and to support your family. And your rates need to be a reflection of that. Number three, every minute you spend on a low-dollar project is a minute you've lost finding high-dollar ones. Number four, use the resources available to you and be confident in the value of the service that you provide. And number five, perhaps most important in all of this, be willing to walk away. Be willing to walk away because there is always another job. And as soon as you start to undervalue yourself, rest assured that the client base that you build for yourself in doing that will continue to undervalue you as well. And that is not a good place to be. I hope that I've given you a few things to think about on this subject. You know, sometimes I get flack from people because I come down hard on the subject of rates or they, they say that I come down hard on the subject of rates. But one of the things that I have said from the very beginning, for years, a good coach tells you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. And one of the reasons why I have been able to build the platform my, for myself in this industry is because I'm a straight shooter. I will tell you straight up. I have a responsibility, I think, an obligation, I think, I feel, to give you good information and to empower you. And so if you're listening to this episode right now and you feel like I'm talking about you, if you're listening to this episode right now and you feel like you're being centered out because maybe you've been in this position before, understand that that is not the purpose of this episode. The purpose of this episode is to empower you to take steps to help you get beyond that so that you can and will do what is best for you and your business when it comes to the subject of rates. Never miss another episode of the podcast again. Make sure that you subscribe wherever fine podcasts are given away for free, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. And don't forget, you can listen to every episode of the podcast at vopreneur.com. And while you're on the website at vopreneur.com, click onto any episode and there are tweets that are already written. All you got to do is just click a button and it will automatically tweet. Click one of those if you wouldn't mind and get this information out there for the rest of the people in your network and in your community, your social circle, so that they can learn and grow and build a bigger, stronger business for themselves as well. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly we think. Your number one marketing tool is your voiceover demos. When you're posting them online, you want to be sure they're playable on any device and with any browser. The VoiceAmp player does exactly that. Sign up at msvo.me slash msvoiceam and receive three months of VoiceAmp for the price of one. Sign up now at msvo.me slash msvoiceam.
And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more VOPreneur goodness? Jump online at VOPreneur.com.